0: What's up, everyone? Welcome into episode 197 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. And this episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols. Later in the episode, we are going to drop in some audio to check out their cool uh, vented pang. So um, this is a pang symbol that they put, they punched a bunch of holes in it to make it kind of trashy and funky. Um, I had forgotten that this was debuted recently for them. So if you're looking for something, an effect symbol that's a little bit maybe trashier than a china or shorter than a china sound, um, check out the vented pang. And then later we're going to show what you can do if you stack vented pang over a regular pang, get a really cool, tight, but big sounding stacker effect. So, um, yeah, go to dreamsymbols.com. You uh, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. The video demo of what we're going to drop in later is posted on the Dream Symbols Facebook page, so you can check it out there. Our intro beat this week is from Mike Grodner. I think I spelled that right. He gave me the pronunciation, so that's right. So this is Mike Grodner and Ben Grodner. So Mike's son is Ben, and he is a bassist, and he's in graduate school in Ithaca, New York, and, they, and Mike lives near Portland, Oregon. So since they can't jam together, they record on uh, GarageBand and send files back and forth. So this is one of their their collaborations. Uh, let's see. Mike is playing a '70s Camco kit, 12, 14, 20. A late '80s Nobon Cooley piccolo snare, some Zildjian cymbals. It's recorded in Logic using two Shure KSM32 overheads, a D112 on the bass drum, and SM57 on the snare. Solid setup there. So let's check it out and let's get the show rolling. Oh, buddy, how you feeling on this fine summer solstice? <laughs> <laughs> First
1: I'm day uh... summer,
0: and I'm wearing a jacket, and you can't. Why? Breathe. It's like raining, and as it's, it's, soon as summer starts
1: here, and it becomes miserable again. It's like, yeah, man, summer, go have fun. Nope. <laughs>
0: My goodness.
1: You imagine our international campers that have Are you tough st- times <laughs> listening to us complain that you're talking about it's, oh, it's raining today, and then I, I've got to complain about a little sinus infection. Now, before the emails start pouring in, like, damn, Mike Johnston's always sick, that's a lie. <laughs> I tra- you don't have my life. I travel internationally so much. I'm telling you there's something with them 12 hour flights. I don't get sick when I do US clinic tours and I'm driving from place to place. I mean shaking hands, hugging it can, it can do it too but I think it's the, it's the international travel man. There's something to do with a 20 hour day of travel that you're weak. And you're around everyone else's germs. Well, yeah. I mean, this it's all time, recycled it, air, right? I mean, you're just... Exactly. breathing each other's air for 12 hours. I'm, and I'm telling you, there is something going on outside the U.S. where people clasp their fingers behind their heads and then cough and sneeze. <laughs> like, I don't know what the deal is, but I'm like... <laughs> That's disgusting. Come I'm on, like, I'm word? not trying to be rude, but can you, <laughs> could you maybe put a magazine in front of it or something? So anyways excuse the voice with a a mask i know but i don't want to be that guy and then like i don't want to be the guy at the clinics that's like (laughs) hey i'm your brother i'm your friend oh now we're meeting in person just tap my elbow with your elbow like (laughs) i you know i set myself up for for hugs 10 years ago on youtube and it's you just gotta deal with it so Uh, i've got my first event what's up? you need to go out and eat more dirt before you leave you need That's to build right. it up. Just just build up the immune f- get system. Get filthy for a
0: couple of weeks. <laughs>
1: Everybody's like, what are you doing licking the ground of the parking lot? I got to get ready, man. I got a big trip coming. I'm going to Ireland. So anyways, I went to Greece. I uh, had an amazing time there. The camp there was fantastic. And uh, yeah, actually, it wasn't me that got sick this time. It was Amber. She's never traveled or maybe twice in the 10 years I've been doing clinics. She rarely travels with me, but she met me there the last day of the camp and then we uh, did a little vacation together because neither of us had ever been to Greece. And then, about the third day, she was there. She came down with a little cold, and and that she's sucks. the one that always, because she doesn't travel, she's like, you need to take this, and you need to take airborne. And I'm like, you think that these little damn gummy bears have any effect on the swine well, flu that's floating around this plane? Gummy bears, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. I don't know. I can't take I can't take medicine seriously when it's in gummy form. <laughs> I just I can't. I'm like this can't be doing anything. It's a gummy bear. Oh, She's like goodness. it's airborne. I'm like I don't airborne probiotic. It's it's a gummy bear. <laughs> Anyways, so she got sick. I got it from her. I'm I'm getting through. I've got my first adva- advanced camp of the year going on right now, and uh, that's been amazing because I didn't know how the curriculum which wasn't going to change uh, how it was going to work for advanced campers since it had already worked so well for the intermediate campers. But my initial theory was could you attack the exact same material with an intermediate mindset, which would be learning something, and an advanced mindset, which would be mastering something. Mm. And uh, i got to say the curriculum actually so far has worked even better for the advanced campers than the intermediate campers. It's been really fun, and I've also pulled back on the amount of stuff they're getting per day. Much less stuff per day, but let's spend the entire day really getting this stuff down and really getting to that point where it's not just a pass or fail. We started at the level of pass. Yes, you can play this. Now let's get to the point that if you were... In a studio, and Steve Jordan and Ash Sone were in the control room as your producers. Would you feel comfortable playing this? Mm-hmm. And then it becomes very advanced, even <laughs> if it's quarter notes. Yeah, that's, right? I was just talking to a buddy of mine about the value of peer pressure
0: in a way, and you can't mm-hmm. really, you can't really manufacture it on your own practicing. Like when you're actually True. in a room and you have to perform in front of your peers, that's a whole different level of pressure. And I don't think, and that's like the real test for me.
1: I, and I couldn't no agree way more. We have, it. we have a guy here from Wales who's his job at home. He's a professional actor for television, for theater, and everything, and after day one he's like i honestly don't think i've been nervous in the past 15 years i can't remember any time i've been nervous especially to perform it's what i do for a living i've never been that nervous in my life when i had to go up there play something i can already play but do it in front of you and seven other drummers that are advanced and know exactly what i'm doing he was like i was like almost shaking you know (laughs) Uh, it's pretty cool pretty cool stuff Luckily for him, he's actually an amazing drummer, so it all worked out just fine. But uh, but yeah, it is it is something that's just a little bit different. You yeah,
0: know? yeah. I mean, it's, I think that is still the argument for going to a music school or a conservatory. Is that a pressure yeah. cooker of not having a teacher say, you know, can you do something or can't do it? But your, your friends and peers and, and competing. Yes. You know, to make it into the ensembles and maybe you're a junior and a freshman comes in and can play a lot better than you. I mean, that stuff is is invaluable. I don't think yeah. I would be anywhere near where I am now had I not have had those
1: four years of just intensity all the time. Yeah, I I can tell you that my mindset and my peace of mind at a clinic is so different than my mindset and my peace of mind at a festival. Mm-hmm. At a clinic, I kinda know okay, I'm not better than anyone here, but I know I can do this. And I know that there's probably a lot of people that have only been playing for one or two years. So if I even just play decent, it's going to be, in comparison to where they're at in their journey, it's going to be impressive to them. When I'm doing that same thing, the crowd's the same, but JoJo, Benny, and Thomas Lang are all backstage. Uh, It's a little bit different. (laughs) It's uh, Not only because of the drumming level, but because the fact that, like, they almost have pride in you as a friend and you don't want to let them down. Mm-hmm. You know, you it's it's weird. Like nobody competes in this thing and we never you never get backstage and and Eric Moore runs up to you and goes, dude, you won. That never happens. <laughs> right. Yeah, here's like, a trophy. So, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen. What happens is it's almost like if you do really well, it's it relaxes everybody else because they don't have to pick you up. They don't have to say, dude. It it really wasn't that bad. Yeah, right, (laughs) right. They get to go, cool, you did your job. (laughs) Now let's go have dinner and talk about anything other than drums. That's so true. I think if there's one value that I
0: can bring to a clinic festival situation is that I'm usually pretty even keel and cool. Like I might, you know, I might not play great, but I'm going to be okay. So I hopefully can instill everyone else to just be, let's just be cool, (laughs) you know? No need to freak out about any of this. I'm not going
1: to melt down at (laughs) no point. Like... Even if it goes terrible, I promise you won't know it went terrible, because I'll be fine. I'll get us through it. And, uh, you know, we all have different roles there. That's, I think, whatever you do in life, when you encounter a situation similar to a drum festival, where they bring multiple people together that do the same thing, almost everyone that was brought there was brought there for a reason, Mm -hmm. and... If you're on the festival and Horacio's on the festival, you really don't need to worry about your independence. It's already taken care of. <laughs> yeah. they, they got Horacio for a reason. You yeah. know, they brought you for a different reason. And when you accept that, then you can kind of relax because all you have to do is be you. So yeah, sure. this podcast was brought to you by positivity.net. <laughs> Check us out online. Hey, So I, I right. did
0: my first live mix, like sub mix of the drums this past weekend. Like I do even know style. what that means? You know, like Dave Buckel Oh, you mixer. sent it out? Yeah, I did. Oh. I did the whole drum mix myself and then sent Diva one Dawson. channel, one single yes. channel. It was great. I mean, it was. It, I knew. I mean, I've been working with this artist forever, so I know that there's certain shows where you know he's responsible for the production. He has to bring the whole PA, and I just texted him. was like, I have this this Mackie board and a bunch of mics and stuff. I'm just not using it. So, can I just try submixing the drums? And it was, yeah. it made it so much easier. Really, Because I could spend you know enough time tweaking the drum mix to where it, it sounded better than he would have been able to do just rushing around trying to get everything together. Right. And then when I just sent him the you know just a mono out, I had drum machine and and you know four piece kit. He was able just to say a little bit more snare, a little less kick, a little bit more pad done right. within two minutes we had a drum mix and he could move on which was wow which made the show just a lot more comfortable because usually he's like sweating like oh god where's you know, why is the guitar not coming out of the monitor and right like, and i bet it
1: made it even more comfortable for you just having the certainty that what is coming out of front of house is what you created it's, it's the mix that you're proud of yeah i mean it well i mean it was
0: just i knew it was the drum sound as good as they could with those mics right exactly that that's stage. what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. in that moment so it was yeah. super cool. I'm going to try to do it more. I don't love the idea of carrying a road case with a mixer
1: and mics and cables, right. but <laughs> you know. now would you be comfortable doing that if there was an actual front of house guy? Are you at that point yet? I could, but it's not necessary because we did we had okay. a show Friday with full production with with
0: you know supplied sound. There was no need because he was okay. by the time we got there, everything was ready to roll and we could okay. just start sound checking. But sure. situations where you know it's not quite as Pro level, or if we're responsible for our own mix, I, I'm going to do it every time at this point. It just, and I could put the headphones on if I wanted to. Just you know, like when we played to a loop, I just could put one ear of the headphone on and not have to worry about it, you know, yeah. not being loud enough in the monitor and all that stuff. So anyway, that's really cool. If you're interested to try that, um, I think it's worth it. You just have to have a little bit of engineering know-how, and that's about it.
1: it doesn't take much. Yeah. So maybe we could do a segment on it sometime. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's the whole reason I got the Yamaha AW16 mixing board, digital mixing board, was because of Weckl doing that. And I just thought, that's what I'm going to do from now on. And I did it in local clubs quite a bit for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, I even just used their mics, so I just traveled with the board. And then I would tell the engineer like, or the front of house guy, hey, just honestly, during sound check, I'll be tapping a little bit, but just get guitars and bass dialed how you want, and then I will just send you drums. And luckily, because Sacramento is a small town, I had quite a bit of experience. We only have three or four live music rock clubs, Mm -hmm. so it's like I knew all the front of house guys. They were jaded front of house guys, but I had at least gigged there 20 or 30 times where they could trust I'm not an idiot. I I do care about this. I'm not going to embarrass yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. There is um, some politics. I'm not going to slap <laughs> flangers on all my toms. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I mean that. Yeah, that would be the first thing I would avoid is adding a bunch of reverb or something. Then, yeah, then you're ruining it. That's that's for exactly. the front of house. Let let that person. Yeah,
1: do it. and and it was it totally. And and my thought was, you know, I just have a very particular way. Honestly, the other thing is uh, some clubs you go to now. Maybe the East Coast is a little different, but sometimes it's shocking how bad the front of house gear is. I'm like, you don't have compression. You don't have gates. Like I have the Yamaha AW16. I have gates, compression, reverb. I have it all built in. I'll just send you a nice, great sounding drum signal with smacky toms and Mm -hmm. you know, you'll get what you want. Uh, so sometimes once I was able, it's almost the same thing that I have to do with my photo shoots. I have to edit the raw shots from my photographer's photo shoot send them to him or her before they will then allow me to have the raw shots from Uh, then on out. (laughs) But I, uh, you know, when I do like, we have a camp photo shoot in like 25 minutes or or an hour. Um, But I, I take the SD card from the photographer and that like, I give him my SD card. He shoots. I take it back from him and then I edit everything. But it took a long time to gain his trust for him to allow me to edit his stuff and know that I'm not going to slap Sierra On top of it, from Instagram (laughs) presets, so it's like I, I will I will not embarrass you with my edits, and so same thing with sound. You can't embarrass somebody by you know if you go in there and you're playing a pop gig and you just juice up arena reverb on snare. The front no. of house guy's gonna be a little embarrassed. He's like I didn't do that, the damn drummer did it. <laughs> well then yet yeah, it becomes a feedback problem. Yeah, I would Oh yeah.
0: I would caution against any of that stuff. For me, it was just getting a, a balanced mix of the mics. Nice clean then, sound.
1: Yeah. I totally agree.
0: Oh, and I shout out to awesome. uh Buyer Buyer Drums, the front of house engineer on the Friday night show, said it was the best sounding snare drum he's ever he's ever mixed. He he was it to one of your fifteens? It was a five and a half by fifteen. Uh pr- had it tuned pretty dead. It was, you know, maybe medium tight, but it was, you know, muffled up pretty good. But yeah. yeah, he'd say he didn't have to adjust the snare drum once and it blended right in with the band mix. So nice. if you want to get on your sound man's good side, get yourself a fifteen inch
1: snare and don't crank it.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I- I agree with the "don't crank it" part. Don't get a fifteen. You don't. You, you can't. You you blow out a head in Poughkeepsie. You're screwed. He uh, you said it was uh, the best snare he's ever mixed. So hey, all right, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Hey, I do have a snare question for you. A snare popped up on my Instagram feed yesterday that had me highly intrigued because I'm an idiot. Now, okay. I know I can get one of the best sounding aluminum snare drums in the world for under two hundred dollars. I can Absolutely. get myself a Ludwig Acrylic. Yep. Right. All day long. But Bryce Nelson posted a picture from Nelson Drum Shop of a Craviato aluminum. Oh, and it's yeah. only probably a grand. <laughs> and I thought, well, it's got to sound better. <laughs> it's got to sound better than an acrylite. It's so much more expensive. Have you had the chance to play one of the Craviato aluminums? Is, if not, that's okay. I'm Is just it curious. one of the the solitaire
0: that has like diamonds punched? in, yes. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different beast. It's a different okay. beast. It's a it's I don't know the specs, but I would guess it's a thicker shell maybe. There's something about it. It's it's, it's just a different beast. The Acrolite has okay. a thing that right. nothing else on earth does. I totally agree. It's I, a have certain a, I have a very, very like dry but like pitch bendy thing that I found that no other drum does. The Yeah. It might be closer to a, the Crabbiata might be closer to a, a Superphonic than an acrolyte
1: Okay. Okay. Because I have a Gretsch aluminum, but it's that machined kind of CNC. thick. I mean, the shell's yeah, yeah. just as thick as a, as a regular shell. And it's it's not even, you can't even call it an aluminum snare. It's not relative to an aluminum rolled mm-hmm. shell. Uh, it's just like you said, it's its own thing. But when I saw that Craviato, I was like, that is a beautiful snare. <laughs> I could get an Acrolyte, or I could call Bryson and be like, hey, man. Take that off your website now. I want that. That is very cool. So. Yeah, it's okay. not an acrolyte. It's a different beast. Got it. Well, then I, that, that gives me all the more reason <laughs> to get it. Fantastic. All right, let's get into some listener questions uh, for all the listeners out there. I say this probably a little bit too often, but Mike and I just want to thank you guys so much for the support. There's, I can't tell you how much we kind of get out of knowing that you guys even listen to this thing this is just two dudes talking about drums the fact that when the campers got here they wanted to meet juno because they've heard her on the podcast (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) they wanted to put the the face with the bark and the the howl so uh thank you guys so much for listening and we we do not take it for granted whatsoever all right let's get to some listener questions all right we're going to start with an email question first this is from toby
0: um, long-time listener, and I just purchased the Yamaha EAD-10. Wow, it's a game-changer. I could go on and on about how I love it, but wanted to ask you how you integrate it into your DAW and recordings. Uh, we use the PreSonus Studio 1 with an Apogee interface and several different mic pre's. My question is, can I simply go from the rear outputs into a mic pre, and then set those up as a separate track for the EAD-10? Yes. That is a great question, yeah hundred uh, percent as long as you yeah as long as your pre has enough gain to, to you know go from a quarter inch output you might want to run it into a di box um, but yeah that would be the perfect mix I do that um, in my studio I use the EAD 10 as a kind of a poor man's parallel compressor so I just run the you know the ad10 compressor effect cranked all the way up and then I have like a, a you know a mix of compressed drums that i can blend in with my my closed mics i I do that exact thing i run it
1: into a a stereo di box that's what i do okay but yeah that and the compressor on the ead 10 is pretty dope and i don't know if it's just that it's a good compressor i mean compression should be kind of the same thing no matter who makes it but it's a great sounding compressor Mm -hmm. and i think it's great to have a compressor on the channel that is where that mic is, that placement also yeah. works great for compression. So I, I I agree with you. I think it could also, even if you don't just record with just that, it could be a great way to bring a compressed, squashed sound into your mix as a secondary channel. Um, I've, I've seen a couple people recently, I'm trying to think who it was, but a couple of pros that I follow that are doing all of their... Uh, all their social media stuff is with the EAD10 now. Yeah, and but yeah. I didn't know it. I just was like, "Wow, great drum sound!" And then as, uh, it was like hashtag EAD10. I'm like, "No," because yeah. I realized, wait, I don't see any mics on the kit. Are they doing what I'm doing, where the mics are just out of frame? And yeah, it's it's quite usable. Yeah, and I'm uh, actually uh, what's our, our buddy
0: Gunner Gun Gun Buns <laughs> Gun Buns? Is he
1: playing with Bruce Springsteen?
0: <laughs> he's or is on. Is he he's photoshopping on, that? No,
1: he's on Bruce's new record. Absolutely. What? Yeah so he's like a real drummer yeah he's like yeah yeah of course I mean I knew that but I, I don't know he's just some long haired dude on Instagram Sorry, to Gunner. me <laughs> dude but, okay wait a minute there's like hey I did the teen's choice award for Nickelodeon and then I'm playing with Bruce Springsteen that's a whole different level man yeah but I think all of his
0: recent Instagram stuff has been E8010 yeah, yeah.
1: But, but dude I'm so okay Come on, there's a few out there. Like, I, generally, if somebody says, "Oh, I did this," I can go back to my past and be like, "Yeah, I did similar stuff in my day <laughs> to that." But when it's Sir Paul McCartney, when it's Bruce freaking Springsteen, that's like, oh, oh, damn, <laughs> like that's a gig, bro. That's that isn't Abel Oriel the only one that can do those? Like, I thought by law. Like, it had to be either Josh Freeze or Abe Laborial Jr. And I, when I saw those pictures, I was like, he photoshopped that. There's no way he's gigging with Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> fake. Yeah, totally. All right, well, Gunbuns, my bad, bro. Uh, I take you way more serious now. It's called profiling. Oh, what the heck was I going to say? I don't remember. I now. have no idea. EAD-10.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Interface it with you. Okay, right, next, next question. question. Uh, this is from it. Steve Smith. Um, I'm observing that even my cursory scrolls through drummer posts on Instagram, this is relevant, are revealing drummers with astonishing speed and physical abilities that I had previously believed could only be executed by elite professional drummers, like gun buns. (laughs) (laughs) And many of these blindingly fast and accomplished drummers posting on Instagram appear to be insanely young. Um, Maybe not the right um, adverb or adjective. To what do you attribute this proliferation of drummers with such advanced speed and skills and what are your reactions to them? I have one, okay, well, one word answer to that. Ahead. YouTube. Yeah. Having YouTube, you can learn so much faster. We did not have that, and we could not learn that stuff as quickly. I don't I, I don't agree. think that they're playing with as much depth or art, but you can learn how to do stuff a lot easier today.
1: Yeah, and the peer pressure. Uh, if you scrolled through it and saw that and you didn't play, but you were thinking about playing to you, that's the norm. That's just drumming. Mm-hmm. We scrolled through. Well, ver- in, a, in our own way, we went through and saw ACDC and kiss and winger. And we were like, I could do that. If, if, if a kid's scrolling through right now and just sees, you know, Eddie Thrower dropping heat at a billion miles an hour, it's like, Oh, that's the norm. That's a, uh, Okay, uh, I can't play that stuff, you know. So, uh, but I also am at a place in my life where I know they will not be playing that stuff ten years from now. Yeah, right. Uh,
0: yeah, it's all a process. I think. I think that's right. probably what we're seeing is we're seeing young drummers in the early stages of their development. Way, Good I mean, point, yeah. that stuff that you, no one saw me playing along to Dave Weckl play along. I was just going to say 14. if you would have
1: seen us in our I'm going for it heydays, you and I. <laughs> Even, even I showed the campers a quick clip of Benny when he was here 10 years ago and they were like, man, that's crazy. It's the same vocabulary, but it's so loud and so fast. Mm. And I was like, that's where he was. He was, he was beasting at that time. So yeah, I think, I think it's, it's that, um, the other thing is we never had access to the world. We only had access to the elite professionals, but it doesn't mean there wasn't, you know, 5,000 kids in their room doing these things. We just never could see it before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is a weird echo chamber. I mean, imagine if Jim Keltner had an Instagram page. Would anyone care? But you know what? I want to play like Jim Keltner in the real world. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know? Well, and if if that's what matters, you know, I showed the campers two things. I showed them na- the Nathaniel Townsley Modern Drummer Festival. Uh, yeah. Uh, ex- what the hell? Performance. Sorry, a lot of Sudafed going through Words. the body right now. <laughs> Let me just keep sipping on more tea. Uh, and then I showed them the Dave Dicenzo Modern Drummer Festival performance. <clears throat> and in both cases, it was like, now imagine if either of these guys just showed up on Instagram, they would dominate the entire platform. Mm. These guys can rip all over everyone, but it's just not what where they're at in their career. They couldn't care less about that stuff. So it, it is a process. Um, and I think you have to decide, too. This is very important. And we'll just kind of wrap this question up with this. You have to decide who are you trying to impress and why. If you are ripping on Instagram and going crazy like the people that you're talking about, are they impressing other musicians? Probably not. They might be impressing some drummers, yeah. but true. what is that getting them? Unless they want to do drum clinics or unless they want to teach full-time, they might be alienating their future career by being so prolific on a social media avenue.
0: Yep, yep. I'm I'm starting to see I'm becoming the weirdo. I'm becoming the weirdo drummer. I'm like, you know, I really just play two and four all the time, but <laughs>
1: that's cool. <laughs> They're like, man, you must be really into ballads. You're like, ballads? <laughs> I'm, that was one twenty. It's not a ballad? I was ripping. All right, let's do an audio right. question
0: from Brian. Hi there, Brian here from London, UK. Just wondering about the snare wires on a snare drum. How often do you recommend that they need to be replaced? Or is it something that once you've got them, you don't really need to replace them at all? And secondly, when the snare drum isn't being used, so when you put it in the storage cupboard do you recommend that we release the snares or do you just keep them tight Uh, not really sure that if the snares can get
1: too stretched out over time so when you're not using the drums do you just keep the snares up that's it thank you very much that is an awesome question brian because i have the exact same question and i have no answer mr dawson all right. Well, let's do the
0: second part of it first. Um, okay. I highly recommend always storing your snares with the wires engaged rather than disengaged, because then there's a less chance of something snagging it and you know grabbing a wire and, and bending it. Um, nothing's going to happen unless you've got the wires cranked as tight as possible. There's no way that it's going to cause any kind of problem at all. Period. Okay. Um, and also, you can I put like a beer coaster in between the wires and the head, and that keeps it from buzzing. I have no issues with sympathetic buzz in my studio so second part of the question first part of the question i would replace the wire the the connecting wires is that what he's asking about like the connecting straps
1: oh um, i I think he was maybe talking about at least my question is do the actual snare wires themselves do they lose their snappiness over 20 years like if i got a 20 year old snare and none of them were bent none of them were broken off do I need to replace the snare wires? No, and and
0: I would not replace the wires or the bottom head unless you absolutely have to. In any situation, when any drum, it could be 50 years old. If if it sounds good and the wires aren't like rattling in a weird way, don't change anything because it's kind of like a you know a leather jacket or a, a pair of boots. Once those wires are really kind of married into that bottom head, you can't you know you can't reproduce that. It just takes time. Yeah, um, yeah, so that's the first caution: is if you buy an old drum, don't immediately think the heads are old, so I have to replace them. Sometimes you're going to wish you never did. <laughs> that's happened to yeah. me. Oh, <laughs> it's for sure, happened to me. Um, so the wires themselves, I replace if if they're just some like incessant rattling. Usually, the middle ones tend to kind of stretch out a little bit, and they just kind of rattle a little bit more than mm-hmm. you're not in a good way. Just kind of like loosely right, yeah. rattle. They're just loose, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the only time I'll replace them. Sometimes I'll even go far just to cut the loose ones out of it and keep the old wires on. Really? Okay. So, yeah, I I wouldn't change them with any kind of schedule ever for any reason. Boom. There we go. All right, so so, Stu, we've got a... A trio of questions here from
2: AJ, so let's do one of his next. Hi Mike and Mike, it's AJ from Toronto. I have a couple of quick gear questions for you guys. Uh one, is there a way to set up and tear down your floor tom without looking like an uncoordinated mess? I never know where to put the legs, um and I'm always bumbling around, turning it upside down. I just didn't know if there was a way to do it gracefully. And second do you guys always bring a drum rug to every gig, or is it something you you know, pre-plan ahead of time? Uh, and in any case, if you show up, there isn't a rug and you need one, do you guys have any tips or tricks that you use to keep the bass drum from creeping forward? Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Thanks again for doing the podcast and keeping it real. Cheers. Hey AJ, we're always happy to keep it real, buddy. That's what
0: I've, I do. I've never thought about the pack-up process of a floor time before okay let me ask
1: you this well you use cases don't you no i mean only if i have to only if i have to. okay i don't i rarely use cases just because i'm in control of my drums i'm not traveling with a band it's me taking my drum set to a gig Mm -hmm. me putting the drum set back into my car going home i generally just bring the floor tom legs all the way up but mm-hmm. they're still attached. Yep. And then that is the cradle for my 12-inch Tom. Exactly. And
0: then you can turn, rotate the, the feet in, so then
1: it in. actually grips the drum. It's a
0: perfect little, little faux case.
1: <laughs> there you go. So I, so I do the same thing. Now, as far as a drum rug, I do always have a drum rug with me, and I leave it in the car, because I don't want to put my clean drum rug on their dirty stuff. So <laughs> I have it just in case they don't have a drum rug. Uh, I would say this, AJ... Go to Home Depot and just get one of their front door large mats. They're like nineteen dollars, and they're they have a rubber bottom. They're great. They're perfect size for a normal five piece kit. So your hi hat stand is on it. Your bass drum pedal is on it for your Velcro and all that. And just keep it in the car. It's it's yeah. so easy. Yeah, I have one of those Black Widow drum mats. It's in my my yeah. hardware bag at all
0: times. I would never. I mean, I've made the mistake of just being a little cocky You're like yeah i'll just use whatever they got the stage is carpeted it'll be cool it's never it's cool not. it's never it's not it's never cool no. and make sure you always have these spikes extended even if you think you don't need it extend those yeah. freaking spikes <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Damn. game of thrones just okay. speaking from experience of being on a gig and just have it
1: ruined by just the bass drum ever so slightly creeping every 10 yeah, seconds it's horrible it's horrible. Yeah, I mean, because it, 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 then it's on your mind the whole night, and then you change your technique, and then yeah. uh, <coughs> that that that's no fun for me at all. So. All right, so here's a question from Eric.
0: Um, when practicing with the Beatnik Rhythmic Analyzer, I noticed that when I play 30-second notes, the pad says I'm more accurate than 16th notes at twice the BPM, which is weird considering they are essentially the same. So, for example, 30-second notes at 70... I'm in the mid to high 90s, but sixteenths at 140. I'm in the mid 80s to low 90%. Do you think it's a glitch or something else? Wow. It's an interesting question. My guess is going to be that the, the way that the pad is programmed, it probably has more tolerance for 32nd notes than 16th notes. Mm. That'd be my guess. There's more, you know,
1: it's it's threshold of either your on or off is probably slightly different and i wonder if you're playing the exact same thing like when you play the 32nd notes are you accenting 16th notes um so is there something holding your personal pulse together or are you going one two three four or one two or nothing one two three I mean, those those things definitely affect my playing. I can rock the hell out of the beat, Nick. If you let me accent the downbeats, <laughs> you know, if I have that, in, if I have not internal pulse, but like the external pulse, I'm golden. Mm. As soon as you take it away, and it's just one, two, maybe three, four should be here somewhere. <laughs> We're in some trouble.
0: Uh, yeah, um, no, I don't. I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't freak out about it. I wouldn't be trying to find way, you know ways to hack the pad, <laughs> <you know? laughs> right?
1: Yeah, just find what's what what
0: most doing. difficult and do that. Yeah, if you're playing sixteens, yeah, have it click sixteens. If you're playing eights, have it click eights, and just roll with it. And realize Agreed. that the machine was programmed by a human who just determined what he or she thought the parameters should be. So ninety percent right. on that thing might might be one hundred and fifty percent in the real world. Yeah. just consider that or it could be the opposite I think for me what I'm noticing when I practice with that thing is I only look at the numbers after I've played for a minute or so and I'm, then I'm making a, I'm asking myself did I feel like I was on it and then how did what I feel like actually compare what the, what the screen is telling me if yeah. I don't hear any flams I don't care if it says 65% I didn't hear any flams we're okay
2: I gotta, yeah. I've got to no, work on my hearing
0: a bit okay so let's do uh let's do another print one here this one is um oh this will be a a quick and easy one this one damien what is that crazy looking tom mount system that russ miller was using at the 2018 uk drum show did you get a chance to look at it were you there for
1: his performance 2018 i think i did that one this past fall yeah did you see russ yeah i didn't see a crazy looking tombo
0: it's that thing it looks like a. it looks like an espresso maker (laughs) what
1: (laughs) hold on i'm looking it up right now uh crazy looking (laughs) mapex (laughs) tombo um i don't know what
0: they call it Uh figure it out here but yeah it's, it's part of their new um our new kit, the Black Panther design. The Black lab. Panther design. <laughs> <button>.
1: <laughs> oh God! Sorry. There's Russ. There's Russ. Hey guys, Russ Miller here. Hello. Hello. Came hey, in hot. Russ. Damn. Yes. Yeah, so. uh, special appearance of Russ Miller brought to you by Mapex Drums. Oh Jesus, that thing's huge. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry
0: thank you twitter universe all right here Uh, we go so yeah it's mapex's (laughs) tom mount it's called the maats tom mount it's supposed to just be an optimizer for i think you can actually adjust the sustain or something with it um yeah we'll kind of leave you know check it out for yourself i haven't tried it i know it looks like a lot of hardware um and i'm tend to be a put the rack tom in a snare basket kind of a mindset most times but that's what that is it's the mapex black panther design lab m-a-a-t-s tom mount if anyone has experience with it i would love to hear how it's how it's working for you
2: let's do another audio question this is uh we got another one from aj hi mike and mike it's aj from toronto I've recently started picking up a lot more session work than I'm used to. I was in my own rock band for years, but now I do a lot of just you know, bar cover gigs or wedding corporate gigs type things. I also play a lot of country gigs in the summer for the country artists that are rolling through the city and you know playing festivals and things. I'm curious to know what you guys think would be the best set of skills to develop or the best exercises to work on to uh, be the best that I can be in those situations. I really appreciate the insight guys keep being amazing you guys are the best cheers have an awesome day
1: Mm. I definitely have my quick quick answer okay which would be in no particular order I would need them all three time feel and showmanship Mm. so the showmanship does not relate to the session work obviously but if you're doing a lot of outdoor gigs doing country gigs I don't think time and feel is enough in today's day and age. You will be filmed. They will be taking pictures. You will be streamed live. You need to have showmanship as well. Don't discount it. But time and feel. I mean, I'm, yeah. I've been I've been in a producer's chair for this last week because every day I track the drummers here. And now that I'm producing them on these tracks, I can't tell you that, that I've ever asked them to do anything more than what they thought of on their first take. Mm-hmm. I'm pulling back, pulling back, less notes, less notes. Uh, but it's just feel. Like every time it's like, that's right, but it's not the feel I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. So just having the you know the chameleon-like ability to give people feels um, would be such an important skill.
0: Yep, I agree with you 100%. I would add dynamic control to that. So sure. balance. Um, so what do you practice? Um, practice your grooves with the metronome on the offbeat? That's going to make your time stronger. Just do that. It could be on the ands, it could be on the e's, it can be on the uhs. Um, get the knockbox app, which is going to have varying amounts of gap in between the clicks. And then you can do to strengthen your internal clock. And then for dynamics, what I would suggest is something that Near Z just hipped me to, um, which he talks about in his upcoming cover story a little bit more detail, but... Uh, and I think we talked about it before, you just you pretend that you have a, a mixing board attached to your body, so start with everything yeah. super quiet, and then bring each limb up one at a time to what you think would be your highest dynamic, and then bring it back down, not have it affect anything else. Ultimately, you're trying to find where should the kick be, where should the snare be, where should the hi-hat be, to have a perfect drum mix before it even comes into the microphones.
1: Yeah, That would be my we call suggestion. call that the personal mixing board exercise here at camp, but I think I actually got that exact exercise from a DCI video with uh Kenny Arnoff. Arnoff. yes. Yep. That was the one. Yep. Yep, for sure. Yeah. So that was the first time I'd ever heard of that and, and then it happened to me. I was on a church gig, you know, maybe in my mid twenties <clears throat> and the uh, musical director just said, Love the groove. I just need more snare and I got louder and he said, No, 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 no. I don't need more of you. I just need more snare. And, uh-huh. it, and it, was a, it was a church that wasn't mic'd. I was the mixing board. Yeah. My body was. Yeah. And he said, no, the kick and the hi-hat were fine. I just need more snare. I need to feel the snare more. And I didn't have the physical ability to do it. And then I went back to that Kenny Aronoff exercise, and I practiced the hell out of it. I've been teaching it in camp for 10 years now because it's so important. And so many people have a personal volume knob, but not personal faders. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And get quieter and louder, and they just say, "No, I have dynamics." I'm like, "No, well, that's it's actually not the definition of dynamics. Yeah, it's your, the difference between
0: the limbs. Your balance is out so, of whack." And I've found that yeah. I can play very quietly with the bass drum. Being a normal volume, and no one's going to say you're playing too loud. It's when your hi hat
1: and your snare drum is too loud. I agree. So if you can control that, well, even frequency wise, frequency wise, that hi hat is such an aggressive instrument that we just unfortunately, most of us that grew up playing rock, that was our timekeeper, our right hand. Yeah. It was how we stayed in time, and then we just brought everything up to that. And bringing that down and allowing those hi hats to support the groove uh, is when all of a sudden the groove becomes very pleasing to listen to. So. Yeah. Cool. All right, well, the next that one
0: helps, is AJ. from Max um, how intimate is the relationship between quality of shell and head choice? I have a stage, a Yamaha stage custom kit with 10, 12, 14 inch toms and 20 inch bass drum I'm using coded ambassadors top and bottom but I feel like when I had coded emperors on top and clear ambassadors on the bottom it brought out a better sound of the kit I want a jazzier sound but not as high, more punchy but still with tone this is an awesome question Mm. Um, and I think when you're in that level, that mid-range entry level to mid-range quality drum, the heads are super, super important. I think they're more important than the drum. <laughs> yeah, and I think your your assessment is 100% accurate. You want a thicker batter head, and most of the time, because then it'll compensate for anything squirrely with the bearing edge itself. If you have coated ambassadors, that's like transparent drum heads that's like, yeah barrel. <laughs> you're gonna like, get this th- is okay what this the is what your shells do. do yeah exactly yep. so yeah that's that's kind of huge i think if you have a, a entry level to mid level kit that's just mass produced no one was like hand sanding the edges you want to use thicker batter heads from my experience i totally agree um yeah so i think trust your gut and use i mean you can get a jazzy sound out of coded mm-hmm. emperors for sure Totally. All right, let's do uh, AJ's next question.
2: Hey, Mike and Mike, it's AJ from Toronto. I wonder if you guys have a skill set that you developed early on in your drumming journey that now you kind of think of as a base level you know, competency for any drummer kind of worth their weight. I'm curious because I'm suffering a bit of an analysis paralysis where I, there's too much information out there and I don't know where to put my focus, but I want to make sure my foundation is correct and uh, up to snuff. So if you guys could uh, offer any insight there, I'd really appreciate it. You guys are incredible. Just keep doing what you're doing. We all love you. Cheers. You know,
1: I just need more questions from him because of the end. I need the end to keep (laughs) reminding us that we're incredible and that people love us. God, I feel good right now. Thanks, AJ. Uh, All right, what do you got, buddy? I
0: think it's the exact same question, just reworded. You can never have... Enough practice time in on your subdivision control, your quarter note control, and your dynamic control. So control, 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 control. I think that's 100. Yeah. percent. Now, that's coming from a 40-year-old drummer who spent 20 years trying to absorb everything he possibly could in the drumming universe. So I think that's part of it too. But if if you're at that level where I want to be professional, next level. Um, don 't worry about learning anything new. just do what you can already do with authority and hundred percent control and I think you'll be you 'll be good you 'll be employable you 've got enough fills you 've got enough beats you 've got enough you know technique right. to play songs and get gigs, but can you hold it all together to where everyone in the band's like cool i don 't have to worry about the time let 's have fun now that 's for me the ultimate the drummer who can take care of that
1: for everyone and then they can just open up. When you say like, is there something you developed early on that has kind of served you? I almost see it the opposite. There were things I didn't develop early on that would have served me. And I'm really bummed that my teachers didn't stress it on me that you need this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And pretty much what Mike's saying, I wish Instead of always getting a C minus in something and then searching for the new shiny object, I wish I would have just had five or ten things that I crushed the hell out of and they became the fundamentals to move me forward. You know, it's it's kinda weird though, when you're playing this instrument what you think is good time and you think you got an A in it that's not what you will consider to be good time 10 years later. Mm-mm. And so no, it is I, kind right. of it's hard to think like should i move on in, in your mind at that time that's all that your drummer mind can handle and you go yeah i've got this down and it's like okay <laughs> but 10 years from now you will think that was terrible. I mean i think back to my earliest like studio recording experiences where you know i was
0: playing on friends albums or my own band's albums i knew When we were listening back, I was like, I know I didn't play that 100%. If no one else says anything, I'm going to let it slide where i should have been like nah that was really kind of wonky and we really should redo it again but i'm more like oh i just pulled the wool over everyone cool let's keep rolling oh no
1: (laughs) we all know what it's like when they're playing back the track and you're all sitting there with your kind of heads down and you're listening to the track and that fill comes up and then you just out of the corner of your eye look to see if (laughs) anyone else's head moves and if none of their heads look over at you you're like sweet we're keeping it even though it rushed a little we're keeping it uh Oh, and so so yeah I think that what I've noticed same thing as Mike you know as as a 40 year old drummer I've noticed that I'm on this cycle that has been repeating since I was a kid which is learn something new think I need more material get something more advanced then realize that the fundamentals would have served me better and I come back to the beginning of drumming and then I cycle again and mm-hmm. then I need new information and then I realize I don't need any new information and I cycle back to the beginning and realize I can't even play double strokes, and that cycle just keeps happening. Yeah. I, I still revisit very basic things and go, okay, but how do I see the standard paradiddle now? It's man, it's an endless amount of possibilities. Yeah, you know? yeah, totally. Yeah, I that's can for play sure. Play an ostinato with my feet and hit every seventh note of the paradiddle, and now it's like, man, it's gonna take me a while for my independence to catch up to that one. Yeah. So it's you know, uh, it, yeah, it's it's a cycle, but I I don't think. Uh, There's anything... AJ, I know you're playing because I've seen a bunch of your videos on MikeSelson's.com. You're a killer player with a great foundation. The other thing that you have going for you, if our listeners couldn't tell just in your voice and your uh, positivity, you're an amazing person. And so I think you know probably a lot of the reason you're getting a lot of the session gigs and the gigs that you're getting is because you're probably just fun to work with and you're fun to be around and you don't stress out the situation. People are going to hire that every day of the week. So... Just keep being you, and just like Mike said, keep working on those fundamentals. Get that time in check. Uh, If if anyone's not going to hire you, let it be for artistic reasons, but not because you dragged or you rushed or you played too busy. Maybe it's just, hey, you're just not the right guy for this gig. You can handle that, Mm -hmm. but it sucks when someone behind your back is like, that guy's all over the place. (laughs) Oh, God, I don't want to be that one. That's like yeah exactly a <laughs> exactly if, if they just say yeah like oh killer drummer just i just needed a, a different feel that's fine no big deal yeah i, mean, I can handle that so yeah don't describe me all as right. man he can really play the drums but man is time <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> no that's that's game over all right we want to do uh one more question i've got a. we've got to
0: thank dream for sponsoring the episode so um they have a product that I forgot to release. I want to drop in some audio. They have a they're calling the vented pang. So, a pang symbol is like a china except the bell and the flange of the outer edge are the same direction. So, a china the bell is inverted. So, you're technically mounting the symbol upside down, whereas a pang you're mounting the symbol normal, but the edge is flanged or the bow is inverted. However, you want to think about the science of it. Right. Anyway. They have something called a vented pang, so it's a pang with a bunch of holes in it. And then they're also, um, you can stack a regular pang underneath the vented pang and get a really cool, like, big stack sound. So this is the 22-inch vented pang stack. So it's a vented pang on top, regular pang on bottom. This is being played by Morgan's Wicker for timpano percussion that's on youtube you can find it but you're gonna hear you just kind of playing around the kit and whenever you hear that trashy thing that's the vented pang stack <coughs> so let's check it out
1: That's a surprising sound out of such... It's a 22-inch stack. Yeah. Two China, quote-unquote, symbols stacked on top of each other. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, it's weird because it has this... It sounds like a 10-inch stack, but then there's this thickness to it that you're not Mm -hmm. used to hearing with something that short. Pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. So check
0: it out. Go to dreamsymbols.com. Check out their Facebook page. They actually posted a, a link to this video on their page. That's where I grabbed it this morning. Um, so, yeah, we'll do one more question here. What do we got? Did we do all of AJ's audio questions?
1: I think we got them all, yeah. All right,
0: make sure we get him through the ringer. All right, our last one here, this is from Griffin. Uh, I have recently been seeing and hearing a lot of really hip players buzzing in the middle of grooves, and I've been wanting to incorporate them into my playing, specifically within grooves. How do I go about this coming from a place of never really learning the buzz roll? Have you guys incorporated the buzz roll into your groove playing? Great question.
1: That's one we really have to unpack. I think you have to learn the buzz roll first. I agree. I think, you know, that is a stroke that you get from playing a constant closed roll, and It's something that can be practiced anywhere on any surface that has rebound. And that's something that a lot of people don't do. They always want to push their buzz roll out to the edges of the snare where they can get the most tension. Mm -hmm. And try it on a desk. Yeah. You know, like try it on something that has no sympathetic buzz and really just work on it. Uh, One of the things you could do to make it really easy on yourself start with a single bar of 16th notes at about 60 BPM. And just buzz the very first note, not the downbeats, just one. So E and a two, E and a three, E and a four, E and are not buzz. So you just push down. And so you're going to grip between your thumb and your first finger. Technically, all three back fingers are going to kind of fly off the stick. They're not going to be touching the stick. And that's what's creating that multiple bounce. And you're just kind of pushing down with the front part of your hand. And you're going to have to find the right technique for your hand, the right balance with the stick. Uh, But start there and buzz that first stroke. And once you feel really good with that 1 out of 16 buzz the E as well. So it'd be one E. So you get and work that out and just keep going until you can buzz for a full measure. Full measure of 16 as singles. Full measure of buzzed 16 The thing that a lot of people make a mistake of in the beginning and maybe Mike you can talk about this. If you just if you weren't their teacher and they had just tried it on their own a lot of people buzz faster than the 16th note tempo of the song. Yeah. They so they'll kind of play of really and they just in. go. And <laughs> You should be buzzing in the subdivision you're playing. Yeah, or a you subdivision know. that you're aware of. A subdivision, of yeah, yeah. It's in time. It's not just brand, <laughs> go as fast as you can and hopefully come out on the right hand and crash. You know, if I'm... Uh, t- it's... Or like you said, a subdivision. Maybe it's triplets or whatever, but it's not just random go. I think it's also important to
0: visualize what the sound of the buzz roll is supposed to be and and always keep in mind that sound so i think of a buzz roll as being a solid block of sound with no clear start or no clear end it's just sound right. on sound off so you I just you, so the attack the initial attack is really where you need to focus on how how delicate can i be with the attack so you don't hear the start you just hear this seamless wall of sound yeah. And that's going to be what you can start You know, once you practice that and, and kind of get a feel for that because, you know, I'm a strong proponent of if you can hear the sound in your head, your hands are going to figure out how to do it eventually. So if you have that sound in your head, then all of a sudden that becomes a tool for me in grooves. It's a way for me to add this, like, phantom swell, like right before down, the downbeat. It's not like right. a one, two, three, four. I'm not doing that. It's like a... Right. Shoot
1: so that's what i think the function of buzz rolls and grooves is i Um, would say that's the function of more than one hand right? right now there are times in grooves though where at least in my mind every time my stick comes down my left stick for anything other than two and four and obviously you could do it on two and four but let's assume just a ghost note or another accent somewhere else i have three options Well, i have an accent four options accent ghost note buzz and diddle mm. uh, my stick is going to land in this mathematical placement of the grid but what is the texture is it cut to but those are my options but my stick's still going to come down in that spot no matter what so right right really you know what you could do is play the grooves you're already playing and just replace some of your ghost notes with a buzz stroke but you can't do that until you develop the buzz roll yeah you need to definitely spend time there's a good um a good series of exercises if you go to
0: Robnopper.com. so that's rob k-n-o-p-p-e-r.com he is the percussionist with the metropolitan opera here in new york city he has a lesson called four steps to build a smooth buzz roll the dude has one of the finest buzz rolls i've ever heard so he knows what he's talking about so check that out if you just google (laughs) rob knopper buzz rolls you'll find it that is one fine buzzword. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. He has that perfect like it just sound on, sound off,
1: which to me is, yeah. and that's the ultimate. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, I always visualize me pouring sand onto a piece of paper. Mm, yeah, that's yeah. that. Like you have to have some kind of visualization, and it. it if I hear Grrr, then a rock just came out of my <laughs> carafe of sand. And that's yeah, not what I want. Like, yeah, it's not like you're choking. Yeah. So uh, and. Uh, like i said don't always play your buzz rolls at the edge of the snare it doesn't sound good i know it's easier for you ever yeah find the sweet make the snare sound good all right everybody thanks so much for your questions we highly appreciate it this is normally where we would do our picks of the week but i have a drum camp starting in a few minutes so go pick something for yourself yeah i already (laughs) already gave you one robnopper.com four steps to build a smooth buzz
0: roll done boom you're good (laughs) All right, All right, everybody. So our outro beat is brought to you by Leandro Doc. He is Dr. Leo. He's in Dutch Plains of the Netherlands. And this beat is, is actually a, a little piece he wrote called Aruba, Sun, and Drum. I thought it would be appropriate since it's the first day of summer officially. Uh, we will send us off
1: with Dr. Beat's Aruba, Sun, and Drum. What What in the 99.9 FM voice was that? <laughs> Drum. Right, go teach. you got work to do ever. I'm gonna go... I'm gonna go...